0: Welcome to. Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a crack rackets and tennis channel podcast network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. We have maybe the podcast episode I am most excited for this entire. 2022 not because of the topic though I don't hate that either but because of the guests I have joining me here on today's show and of course on today's episode we continue our countdown of our top 10 division one men's tennis teams heading into the 2023 season of course if you missed any of our prior episodes. You can hear all of them by scrolling down on your Great Shot podcast feed, whether it is myself and Chris Hallioris, myself and John Parsons. We've offered the teams ranked 10 through 4 in our Crack Rackets 2023 preseason rankings. Of course, here on today's show, we break down our number three preseason team, the University of Michigan Wolverines. And If we're previewing another top 10 Division I men's squad on this show, you know one half of the equation who is joining me, as he always does. You know him best as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR. One of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames, of course. The lean, mean, vegan machine. And as we learned last time, the only thing he raps is gifts. It's our dear friend, Chris Hallioris. Chris, hey. Great shot. Welcome back to the show. You excited for today's
1: podcast as I am? I couldn't be more excited given the guest you're about to introduce, Alex.
0: It it is a massive day here on this show, as joining us for the first time here today is the guest. Again, I'm probably most nervous about having on this show. It's been a long time coming, as I probably offer more college tennis takes to him than anyone not named Chris Hallioris or John Parsons in my life. Of course, he's the only man who can make me nervous while watching tennis. Tennis. It's my dearest little brother, Nicholas Gruskin. Nicky, welcome on to the show. I'm gonna call you by your government name and not what I call you in our personal lives. But welcome on to the podcast. How are you doing today, my friend?
2: I'm great. I'm so excited. I mean, every time you call me every couple uh, couple of months, it's you know not Nick. How's college? Nick, how are you doing? It's hey, Michigan tennis gonna be real good this year. So I'm stoked. I'm I'm so excited. You know, I know mom's listening, so. I'm excited. Thanks
0: for having me. Oh, it is a pleasure to have you. For what the record... I mean, it's going to get quacked out, but Chris, I think I've told you this in the past. I don't call him Nick. Obviously, I'm very mature, so Nick has just, uh, from a derivative, was. then it turned into... So that's what I call him in our day-to-day life. But for the sake of everyone here on today's show, we'll go with Nick to make life a little bit easier. Uh, Certainly excited to have him on the show, and to his point, every... I think every day since Michigan lost to Ohio State in the quarterfinals, we have the same com- – or we, we always end with the topic of, well, what do you think Michigan's lineup's going to be in 2023? So I figured why not just have him on the show to have that conversation publicly. But look – we can get right into it. Our number three preseason team, the highest they have ever been in any preseason ranking I have come up with during my lifetime of following University of Michigan Men's Tennis the Wolverines up to number three, and that's on the back of what was one of the best seasons in program history in 2022, Michigan finishing the year 25-4 and overall. Of course, they go 8-1 and one in conference play, losing the conference match at Ohio State. Of course, they Beat the Buckeyes 4-0 at home earlier in March. And then the big one, they win the Big Ten Tournament, ultimately knocking off the Buckeyes 4-2 in Madison. A little story for all of you listeners. During that match, the it was on Big Ten Plus, which you have to be a subscriber to watch. Unfortunately, we do not have Big Ten Plus in the Gruskin household. So what did we do to get around that? Nicholas Gruskin demanded I FaceTime him into the match and just flip the camera. He goes, show me Nino. He goes, show me Maloney. He goes, show me all these <laughs> matches. I need to see what's unfolding again. Ultimately, the Wolverines 25-4 and overall on the year. They do win that Big Ten Conference Tournament title. They do ultimately Ultimately, knock off Texas in what is one of my favorite matches of the 2022 season. A 4 2 win in the round of 16 was absolutely a 50 50 match. Could have gone either way, but the Wolverines into the NCAA quarterfinals, where ultimately they were knocked off by the Buckeyes in that quarterfinal round, 4 2. And look, Anytime you play a team four times throughout the course of the season, there are going to be some battles. The Wolverines finished two and two against the Buckeyes a record. I know Wolverine fans for the past two decades would happily have taken, particularly if those matches came in the stages that they did. But with all of that in mind, Chris, again, 25 and 4. Overall on the year, they don't make the national indoor final field as they lost to Wake Forest early in the season. But they do ultimately make the NCAA quarterfinals. So we'll start with you, Chris. 2022, did the Wolverines exceed expectations, underperform, or ultimately get things just right?
1: I think they exceeded expectations. I, I mean, we knew that they were going to be good, uh, decent to good. I think they came out better than we thought they were going to be uh, and show and and potential for, for the upcoming year even. But but I think it was still better than we kind of thought they were going to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, Nick, I defer to you. There was a lot of celebrating at Nicholas Gruskin's end of the equation last year. Did they overperform? they get things just right?
2: Look, I, I think as, as much as I hate to say it, I think we overperformed. Um, I just didn't think we had the experience going into the season. I mean, we definitely had the talent. And the depth, but uh, I mean, I think going into this year, this is something we'll probably talk about. But now that they've been there, they've done it. They went two and two against Ohio State. We just crossed a lot of check marks that we hadn't done in the past. And I, I think moving forward, now we're not just happy to be there. I think, I think we want to win, and I think we can. So I'm that's, excited.
0: No, that's exactly it, and I couldn't agree more. And again, I'm sick of being accused of bias. That's why I brought on Nick, so he's going to express. I'm going to be month.
2: fully biased. There's, <laughs> there's no. I'm going to be completely biased. I'm a homer. So, you know, if you don't like that, you should turn off the pod. But uh, I'm I'm going to be a homer.
0: Yeah, the first Gruskin in three generations to not attend the University of Michigan, Chris, and yet he's still got Wolverine (laughs) coursing through his veins. Look, you look at the, the tournament play we saw last year. One of the biggest things we saw in the fall was how good Jacob Bickersteth was throughout the course of the fall, right? Won a bunch of big matches in that fall portion of the calendar. And, you know, that was impressive, You know, Fenty kind of struggled throughout the course of the fall, but guys like Beattie and Nino and, you know, Maloney and Styler kind of still did their things and looked to have good form. Gavin Young certainly coming in as a freshman. We knew there were a lot of pieces. We had no idea how the pieces would coalesce. And again, I want to go back to you here, Nick, because the big thing to me, and you mentioned it, two and two against Ohio State, it's like... We beat Ohio State in 22 20- We it slipped out, folks. It's gonna happen. Okay, there's the first "we" of the podcast, Chris. It's your job to hold us accountable here today and rein us in if ever we go too nuts. But the big thing for me coming out of 2022 is that now it just felt like there was parity between Michigan and Ohio State, and as exciting as that 2021 team was, which let's remember lost first round to Arizona in the NCAA tournament, an Arizona team that ultimately, of course, made the round of 16. And certainly looking back at that loss, you feel like how well Michigan played throughout the course of the year to beat Ohio State during the regular season with all the COVID regulations that came along with 2021. The table was sort of set for success, but 25 and four, 2-2 2-2 two and two against the Buckeyes, NCAA quarterfinals. I mean, you were at that Texas match, Nick. It was 50-50, right? And that's why it has to be overperformed because for the first time in so long, we beat Ohio State twice. We won a Big Ten championship. We beat Texas, right? Like As good as we were, did you see the pe- – even by the end of the season, did you – okay, let me just ask you straight up. You were at that Texas match. When did you think, if at any point, we were actually going to win it?
2: Well, I think, uh, I mean, I, I thought after coming out of doubles, we looked really good. We were rolling, and then at the beginning of singles, you know, there's a little bit of a tough, tough match. I mean, Texas was a great team. I think once we went indoors and we only needed one, I, I felt pretty good, especially with the home crowd. It was pretty loud. Um, so I think going indoors, I thought we had it. But, but to your point earlier, I think uh, the Michigan, Ohio State tennis sort of dilemma, I think it actually parallels the football football games as well, right? Going into 2021, Michigan had a great year, one loss. We beat Ohio State. It was great for, we had a great year, one Big Ten, get killed by Georgia. And then going into 2022, everyone's saying it's a fluke. There's so many reasons why Ohio State lost, and I think this is the year for Michigan tennis to prove that it wasn't a fluke to go 2-2 two and two with OSU, that this is our year to solidify ourselves as a Big Ten champ, as the top of the Big Ten. And, and so it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. But I'm sure both those teams, as they always do have that match in a circle down the calendar.
0: No, absolutely. And, you know, Chris, I want to throw to you now as well, because coming into this season for the Wolverines, and we'll get into the returners momentarily, but from an experienced perspective, I mean, again, you bring back just about everyone and look, I love Nick Beatty. Nick Beatty was a freshman my senior year of college. I've known Nick for like six – yeah, I have an affinity for Nick's in my life. That's always been – lefty Nicks as well, by the way. Two lefty Nicholases in Nicholas Gruskin and Nick Beatty. But, like, there's just a legitimacy – to this core, Chris, now, right? It feels like we always talk about the genesis of the rise of these groups, right? Whether it be the Florida team, 2019, 2020, really setting the table for what we saw for that group in 2021. Similarly, for the University of Virginia, 2021, really good during the regular season, go to Ohio State, beat them during the kickoff weekend. Then they get tripped up by uh, by USC in that 2021 NCAA round of 16 before ultimately breaking through in 2022 winning that national championship to what extent do you feel like this Michigan run this year they've sort of been through the lumps right like if you're making a three-year trajectory for a program and getting them to peak at the right moment Chris don't you feel this Michigan program and coach Steinberg have kind of done that with this group heading into
2: 2023
1: yeah and it kind of feels like this is the year to your point yeah Beatty was great but I mean look here's he a guy that was always going to be battling in that you know five six seven spot they've got tons of depth on this team that's not going to be uh, a loss that's going to be a significant you're not talking about losing like a number two guy in the lineup right and in addition to the fact that you had a not so healthy gavin young last year you bring him back and you bring in a guy like bjorn swenson that's not going to be a loss that, that that even really makes a blip on the radar for these guys. Yeah, it's the core that they're bringing back in addition to what they bring in. It's uh, it's a formidable team to be, to you know, and that's probably an understatement.
0: Yeah, no, it just feels like this team has done it all. And again, going back to 2020, when this Michigan group made the semifinals of the National Indoors, an event Chris Helioris and I were fortunate enough to be on the broadcast for. And I'll never forget getting accused of losing my voice in the finals because everyone thought I lost it cheering for Michigan in the semifinals, to which I'd say, A, I was on the broadcast. I wasn't doing any sort of cheering. B, I had the first form of COVID, courtesy of Brandon Holt, and that's why I was deathly sick, as you know, Chris, not because of any cheering I did, did but if you're looking for a roadmap for a program and again to make the ascension going from obviously Michigan always has the resources Michigan should always just inherently be a top 15 top 20 sort of team just because of what the university is and the sort of student and player it appeals to should always keep Michigan competitive in division one men's college tennis but like again The fluke semifinal run in 2020 sets the table for 2021 where the team lost like two, three total matches, even if the NCAA tournament result wasn't ultimately what we wanted as a mission. Sorry, we. There's the second we. It's going to slip, folks. Just accept it moving forward. And then 2022, 2023, it's like, hey, this core of Maloney, of Styler, of Fenty, of this group that has just been through the ringer together. This was the two-year window. Like, this is the moment. And, of course, because of that extra year of COVID eligibility, you get to bring everyone back in 2023. With that in mind, as we look at the returners, I go to you first, Nicholas Gruskin. Who is the best player on the University of Michigan's roster right now? Who is the guy you feel most confident in heading into 2023? Because there are tons of options.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know my affinity for Patrick Maloney's tennis game, but... I think you have to go with Andre Styler. I mean, you know, looking at what he did last year. Felt like the team's leader when when you saw his matches with Cannon. It just feels like when when push comes to shove, I think he's going to be the best guy on our team, and I I want the I want the ball on his racket. So
0: Styler played sixteen matches last year, Nick, at the number one single spot. What do you think his record was?
2: I'm not sure. I don't know. 14 Probably and pretty two. good though. Fourteen right. and two.
0: Fourteen and two at the number right. one single spot. And by the way, if I were to build a, an ideal number one singles player, he would be six foot four, he would have blonde hair like Thor, and he would have a hundred twenty mile per hour serve that he can back up with a first forehand and a willingness to move forward. That's Andre freaking styler. And it's just like, again, he is your prototypical number one singles player, five and one at the number two singles. spot. he went 19 and four overall in dual match play last season, despite the fact that he started out with an injury. And it's just like, again, I, I defer to you, Chris, same question of all of the returners. Nick goes with Styler. You look at the fall that these guys had. Fenty was the big winner, 17-1 and one overall in the fall for Fenty. Obviously, Maloney goes off and plays a bunch of pro matches, was able to play at the challenger level, goes to that USDA Shadow Wild Card event and finishes, I think, second or third, whatever it was. I think second in Orlando was the result he ultimately had and then gets to go represent the U.S. at the Masters BNP Paribas International Collegiate Event. Of course, you know— JP Morgan doesn't care if Andre Styler's playing tennis during the summer, and so I don't think he played as many pro matches as some of the other guys on this roster. That said, you have three guys with legitimate pedigree to play in that top spot. And so I ask you, Chris, of these returners, who do you feel most confident in entering 2023? Because it does feel like they've got three legit options, right?
1: They do, but there's zero question of who I feel the most confident in and in and that's patrick maloney uh, okay. he's he's the guy okay make the case i mean come on, so, okay got it. first of all styler i mean he's gonna have to actually play tennis before i believe that, <laughs> <laughs> that he could be there i mean you know uh, you you love the over-unders what's what's the over-under on how many matches he actually plays this year and how many <laughs> how many matches he's actually played Coming into the spring season, I, I mean, it's ridiculous. So he played six in the fall, for what it's worth, four and two overall. Six matches in the fall, yeah. That that doesn't cut <laughs> it. Uh, I mean, and 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 how many, you know, and we know he's gonna t- he's gonna end up with some time off even during the regular season. I just, but you know, if you ask me, come May, you know, and and I, I think I'm gonna have I, I could probably have I have some nicknames for some of these guys, but yeah. Styler's going to be the uh, the yeah I'll play when it matters guy, uh, much yeah. like your much like your bots are take but uh, but yeah that, I don't think early on in the season probably I, that's certainly not the guy I'm counting on, Fenty I mean does he care I mean that's that's the how invested is he in it and, and what's his shot selection. Is he invested enough to really stick out and, and hit the shots that he needs to? The guy that's gonna do all of the above is Patrick Maloney, and that's the guy I'm sticking with. Nick,
2: you feel so like I feel
1: like you have a strong response here.
2: I do. And I, I think we're actually in agreement on, on most times. I mean, if the question was when the first match plays, who who am I putting at one, it's probably not gonna be Styler It's gonna be Maloney. But come May, when I think they need a guy to lean on. I mean, I was there out you were there when they were playing Texas. When, when Styler was playing Spaziri, that was pro-level tennis. And and so I think when Styler's at his peak in May, when he cares, like you're talking about, Chris, I think when it's time to turn it on, I just think he has the highest upside. I mean, that serve, that frame, it's just going to be hard to break him. And by the way, you're putting Maloney at two. Good luck to anyone. I mean, I, I mean I think he beat Braswell in about 30 minutes last year against <laughs> Texas. So, look, I, I think it's a good problem to have. I'm with you, Chris, I think at the start of the year was probably not the guy, but I think you give him a few months to, to work with, and, and I think he'll be ready to be to See, be you
0: being on this podcast is going to get me in trouble, Nick, because you being here makes me want to make the joke that, yeah, Maloney's still picking up his n that he dropped after winning <laughs> that second set against Ohio State. One of the best... I mean, seven- oh my
2: goodness. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I can't believe I just came on this podcast and didn't say that Patrick Maloney was the guy, because all I talk about is just big moments. Who do you want? I feel like He's the spiritual leader of the team, and so hard for me not to go with Maloney, but just seeing the quality of tennis that Tyler can put out there, just hard to pick against him. Give me your
0: best Maloney grunt impression, Nick.
2: I'm not doing it on the pod. It's not hey, happening. Just give me one. <laughs> Come on. Say, I will say, Chris, Alex and I played, played. Uh, we were down here, we, we played tennis, and I mean, I was doing my best Maloney impression on every forehand he'd give me, just <laughs> ripping it as, as hard as I can. Well, A couple uh, back fences. I mean, it, was, it wasn't it great, but, I mean, Let the record
0: saying. show, also, five years this podcast has been going, that's the first time anyone's called me Alex. That's how you know we have my brother on the
2: show <laughs> well, here I'm, today. I mean, look, I'm not going to call you Gruskin, because that's my last <laughs> name too. So, you're Alex to me. It that's, is what it is.
0: Yeah, and you're still dickless to me. So, uh, <laughs> it all works out beautifully here. No, look, the thing is, again, you have legitimate options. And I always say... You know, the Michigan team I allude to is the 1988 team that had Dan Goldberg, Ed Nagel, our former coach, our meaning myself and Nicholas, uh, and Malvia Washington. And Ed always talks about the idea that they had the option to play people at one in different weeks and keep everyone fresh and ensure that we're not peaking too soon and, you know, ensure this guy doesn't get burnt out, that guy doesn't get burnt out. I'm looking at the schedule right now. March 24th at Wisconsin, March 26th at Nebraska – Styler's probably not making that trip, right? Like, stay home, relax, enjoy yourself. April 15th at Indiana, April 16th at Purdue. You know what? Fenty, you your fifth-year senior, enjoy yourself. Go enjoy March Madness. Go have some fun in the month of April. Like, we don't need you that month. And by the way, you mentioned something about Andrew Fenty that I just don't want to be thrown away. I think the single best thing that could have happened to Fenty is to see Styler make the jump he did last year, is to see Maloney get all the praise that he's received throughout the fall and get all the bastard BNP opportunities and to go play all the pro events. And, like, if I take you back four years ago when they're each freshman, like, Fenty's the guy who beat J.J. Wolf. Fenty's the guy with the top 25 ITF junior pedigree. And just, like – in. I would say this to his face. I hope you're listening to this, Andrew, and you know I love you. You know you're my guy. Like, inherently, don't you see that in the most positive way and say, wait a second, like, I'm better than Pat. Like, I'm better than Andre. This should be me who's the unequivocal number one guy. I should be the guy for this top five Michigan team because I was the one of the guys who helps, I don't want to say turn this program around, but takes this program to the next level. And I mean... He did exactly that in 2022, in the fall. And, like, that can't be undersold. 17-1 is f- hard to do. And I know he didn't win a massive title, but he put himself in position to play all the big guys, to play all the big events. He probably should have beaten Nishesh. I think it was at ITA Fall Nats. He had a million breakpoint opportunities throughout the course of the later stages of that match. And, like... I mean, again, Chris, I think when you look at this top three, Styler, Maloney, Fenty, I know Montez, von der Schulenburg, Rodash, obviously it's an exceptional top three. And we know how good that junior class can be. They won a freaking national championship last year. But there's not a more experienced top three than this group at, at, at Michigan this year, right? Even the Ohio State guys, Kingsley, Tracy, whoever, like, let's say that whoever is an Anthrop or that whoever is an Alex Bernard, you're still introducing a new piece to the equation. Even, I guess you look back at TCU and like, okay, Famba, Jong, we know what they can do as top three players, but like we've never seen Jake Fernley play a full season in the top three or, you know, going back to Tennessee. Yeah, Monday can be a number one guy, but we've never seen him at that position. Mitsui's going to have to take a step up. None of these guys have to take a step up, Chris. That would be my final point I lead to you. It's like we've seen all of them you know, again, Pat Maloney last season overall goes 16 and two overall in dual match play, 11 and two at the at the two and three single spots combined. Now Fenty went 10 and eight overall in dual match play last year, but again 17 and one at the uh, in the fall play here this season. We both watched him beat Yuya Ito in the ITA National Indoor Semifinals in 2020. We watched him beat P.Y. Bailey to clinch, uh, not P.Y. Bailey, who would he beat? in the round no it was PY wasn't it Nick?
2: Against Texas, yeah it was Yeah, P. Y. yeah
0: it was PY which by the way I told this to Chris on the last show. Isn't PY the best nickname in college tennis?
2: It is. It's a great one.
0: It's so good. I was like, how did we not think of that, Chris? I was so angry at the two of us for not figuring that out. But I guess that's what it comes down to, right? Is like and again, final word on these top three before we move on to some of the other returners. This top three it's not only an experienced top three, Chris. It's a legit top three, right? Like you feel like going into every match. Shouldn't Michigan win two of the top three singles matches?
1: I mean, you can't argue that's a great top three. I'm, oh, I'm sure you're going to get hate mail on the fact that I, I'm not sure who just on James Trotter more you or Ty Tucker. Uh, I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're bringing an anthrop before Trotter or Boulay. Well, let me I mean, just say ridiculous. this. Some source, of, some
0: source, some source has said that there is a wink week like Bernard's playing top three this year to get him <laughs> to come to school.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that and maybe you know fifty grand. I don't know, <laughs> but <laughs> hey, it's nil. It's not through this. Yeah, let's be clear. With it. Go on. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's a absolutely. It's 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 an it's an outstanding top three that you're bringing back, and I don't think you know. I don't think we have. A lot of question in the fact that those are the top three. The questions come, the real questions for this team come in, uh, in the four through, and I'll say seven spot, if you will, because I think there's going to be a big debate as, as to what happens there. But the top three are the top three, it's just a no matter what order do they play in, yeah. So, there's your thoughts
0: on the top three now. To your point, this team could bring back an entire roster. Of, oh, I apologize, Nick. You had a final thought on the top three,
2: yeah. Look, I I'm in agreement that those are the top three. I just I think it's going to be important for this team that Fenty plays like the Fenty of the fall and, and sometimes not like the Fenty of last year because, you know, watching some of those Ohio State matches when he played Tracy, and Tracy's a great player, obviously, Southeast Michigan guy. I think I played him in the qualifier growing up, actually. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I know he had some set points and some real close matches, but I, I think if we're going to play them three or even four times, we're going to need him to win a few matches at three this year. I mean, I feel confident about us taking two out of the top three. But if, you know, Fenty sometimes last year was a little bit inconsistent. And if he's falling at three, maybe not a Big Ten play, but but when it comes to NCAAs, you know, when matches get tighter, not sure if you can rely on Styler, we're going to need a guy like Fenty, fifth-year guy, to really be consistent. And sometimes I think last year he sort of lacked that, that maturity to, to be the stalwart and steady presence on in the lineup that we need.
0: No, I think to your point, the Michigan number three should be in our MVP conversation, right? Like whoever of these guys plays three, that should be one of the most valuable spots in the country because, and again, I give Drew the benefit of the doubt. Like I was there in 2020. So were you, Chris. He was so good for Michigan in that national indoors run. And then again, He was giddying on his way to the quarterfinals after beating P.Y. last year. Like, I know he has that gear in him, but you're absolutely right. The best version of this Michigan team in 2023 features the best version of Andrew Fenty, who of the three guys maybe coming out of last season just from a record perspective, you have the most questions about. But then again, I would point out 17-1 in the fall. Like, okay, we had questions about him. Stage one, he answered in the fall, right, Nick? Like, that is at least an answer.
2: Yeah, no, I'm confident in him. And even watching him play Gavin, um, you know, in the, I think it was the Midwest ITA. I mean, I watched that match. Great match. If we can get that Fenty and that Gavin to to play for Michigan, I mean, I think we're going to be in really good shape.
0: Well, so you just brought it up. Let's get to the rest of the lineup because I think, well, okay. I want to get to Gavin Young in a second because I think those are the X factors. And I think Gavin, Nino, and Bjorn are their own X factors in themselves. But can we talk about Bickersteth for a second? Because Jacob Bickersteth – I like asking these trivia questions to Nick just to see how locked in he was last year. Jacob Bickersteth played twenty-one dual, or he had twenty-one dual match decisions. Nick, guess his record.
2: Twenty-one. I think you probably went around seventeen and four, sixteen and five. Would be that's, my guess.
0: That's an exceptional guess. He went eighteen and three in dual there match play last even year, even better than I thought. Eight and two at the number four spot, five and zero at three, three and zero at five. Like. And this guy, I love you, Bick, but like you're probably playing bottom half of the lineup again here this season. And just like I will ride with Jacob Bickerstaff at four as oh, I feel good. Like, and if he's not, if he's any lower than four, like, are you kidding me? But just like the guy epitomizes grind. Like, you are going to get the best effort of Jacob Bickerstaff in each and every match you play, Chris. And I just think like, when you think about some of the air appearance, I don't want to say he's the Zeke Clark of this Michigan team, because energy-wise, it's not a direct comparison, where Zeke is just this ball of energy that fuels everything else that the team is doing, and I think that's Maloney to this team, is just the noise, the energy, the everything that comes with it. Although, by the way, when we were hitting earlier in Florida, not only did I get that eh, from Nikki after every forehand, Chris, I also got the Michigan,
2: just the yells, because again... You gotta
0: roll how but, we mean, roll. Yeah,
2: Michigan, I've one of the underrated things. They're just screaming colors out there. I mean, you can see like Maloney's hitting a four and he's just yelling blue. Like <laughs> just like it's nothing. So you gotta love their energy. I think that's part of the whole thing. But but no, you're you're right. I, I think Vicus's gonna be really great. And if you have him at five, I mean again, he's another guy. I played him growing up all the time at Deer Lake. Um, uh, you know, Alex knows his dad. Chris, you might not know, dear, like, but I'm taking part in Bickerstaff's credit. I think our, our grinds <laughs> in the boys' 12s really made him the, the, the player he is today. But but I think if you have him at four or even five, you have to be really, really good. I mean, he's just a rock-solid player. You're going to have to play an excellent match to play. Him. Yeah, I
1: yeah, mean, I hate to disappoint all yeah. you Michigan homers, but Bickerstaff's not playing four. Come on. <laughs> well, but, okay, but if he's a bottom half of the
0: lineup guy, Chris, like – even if it is four, where, again, he went eight and two throughout the course of last season, if he's lower than that with his game and you look at what he was able to accomplish in yeah, the fall, no, Bix, a, still a six yeah. and two, like, I feel fine about Jacob exactly. Baker's And Exactly,
1: and that's what Steiny needs to capitalize on, right? Mm-hmm. He needs—I mean, I, I don't see him playing him at four. I see him playing him lower than that and going— that's a that's a point in 95% of our matches. He might lose one, maybe two matches there this year. But that that's a point we're going to win. He's not a guy that has a particularly low floor. I mean, the ceiling is not as high as maybe some of the other guys. But the floor is not as low as some of the other guys. And it's a point that you can just count on. And you take it, and you put, I mean, in my estimation, you play him at five, let's say, Mm -hmm. and that's just, you just lock it in. That's a point we're getting every match.
0: Yeah, I'm not saying it's Blaze Bicknell, circa 2021 Florida, where the guy did not lose a match the entire season uh, at the number four singles position. But, like, again, I mentioned the number three player for Michigan as a potential MVP. If Bick's at five, just, like, Good luck on that Indiana-Purdue road trip. Good luck, Louisville-Penn State coming to Michigan or that Nebraska-Wisconsin road trip again. Like, Bick doesn't take matches off. This is a guy who, in his head, and I mean this in the best way possible, Bick says, F- Pat, like, forget all these other guys. I should be the number one singles player. My results dictate as much, and to his credit, like, he ain't lying. Like, again, the results have been that good. That forehand is a weapon. And while he's not 6'3", 6'4", like Fenty and Maloney and Styler are, just you mention it, that floor match in, match out is extraordinarily high. And you feel like a lot of matches Michigan might be up 2-0 or 2-1 on the fact that Jacob Bickersteth will be that first singles point coming off the board for the Wolverines. Right, Nick? No, Nick's on mute. I see he's given a little conversation with my older brother. We'll leave that in as he goes well, I on. Mean,
1: to, to your point, I mean, for for folks that don't maybe know a lot about Bickerstaff, he look he played a uh, he played this summer in, in a twenty five k futures event where he beats in back to back matches. Felix Corwin, the former number one from from Minnesota, and Liam Draxel, the <laughs> you know probably going to be number one for Kentucky this year. And takes him down in back-to-back matches. I mean, that's he's got all kinds of potential for sure.
0: Yeah,
2: and just again,
0: right. yeah, go ahead, Nick.
2: No, couldn't agree. And even when when Styler went down early last year, I mean, Biggerstuff had some really, really good results in the, in the top end of the lineup. I know against TCU in particular, he, he pulled out a really like big match for Michigan. So, I mean, he's a guy who's capable, if you need to put him at the top end of the lineup, he's going to perform too. But I, I just think his floor is so high that if you put him at five or even four, He's just gonna be a tough out. I mean, even if he's not losing matches, those are matches that are not gonna finish if he's not winning. So you have to feel really good if you're if you're Michigan having him the back end of the
0: lineup. 6 six two, six one over Sander Jong last year in Fort Worth. Yeah, that was one of those results that you're just like, wait and you think this guy's playing five singles here in 2023, you might begin to understand perhaps why we have this team as a top three team entering the 2023 season. That said, and again, why are we spending so much time on the returners? Because these are the guys that will make Michigan tennis what they are this season. These are the guys that have them number threes because they all have the pedigree that they do. But I think one could argue the biggest X factor coming into this 2023 season is, the, is sophomore Gavin Young. And you look at what Gavin was able to do last year, 14-3 and overall in dual match play in singles. For what it's worth, Gavin also a fairly impressive 16-9 and overall in his first season of doubles. Now, the big number for Gavin, 10-5 and overall in fall play, but of course did make the final of the ITA regional. I think he beat Tracy in straight sets in the semifinals on his way to that regional final, but like... You know, again, he and uh, he and Fenty eight and three in the fall in doubles. Gavin ten and five in the fall in doubles as well. And just again, when you look at the physical profile, six four, six five, big serve, big weapons, comfortable moving forward. Of course, his father Jeff was a college tennis head coach at Minnesota for X amount of years. Now he's over at Purdue. Great to have Jeff Young back in our life, of course. But like. I mean, Chris, that's you. You're the one who said, "Sorry, Michigan fans, Bickerstaff's playing five. Why do you think Gavin Young's playing four, and what is your belief in this? Is he one of those players who you could see having a sophomore surge?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's. I think he, he's the guy that's sort of the future post, uh, you know, post a, a Fenty Styler. You know, and I'm I'm leaving Maloney out just because the Fenty Styler combo has kind of been there. At the top of the lineup for a couple of years, that's the guy that I kind of see as as the future leading the te- the team forward, if you will. And yeah, I and he's got huge, huge upside. I mean, he can play everywhere. He can play from the baseline. He's great coming moving forward. Uh, you know, can really good serve. I mean, he's got an all around game, and I, I just think that's a guy that you want to move up. And he's got a game better suited. To the front end of the lineup than say maybe a Bickersteth does. Bickersteth may win, and Bickersteth maybe actually win more than Gavin Young does. It's just that the that game style, you know, you you start to get the grinders like a Bickersteth up higher in the lineup, and things start to get tougher. And from a certainly from a college tennis standpoint, you take the fact that you can put them down below say a Gavin Young, and take the lock point. And Gavin, when he's on, is going to win anyway. And if he's off, he's not going to win whether it's four or five. So, uh, you know, the floor is lower, the ceiling's, you know, or the, the floor is lower, but the ceiling's higher with a Gavin Young. Vic's just so steady. I think that's the, I think it just makes sense to play Gavin in front of him.
0: By the way, I'm looking at the Wake Forest National Indoor Match or Kickoff Weekend Match from last year. Bickerstaff beating Eduardo Nava in three sets was another one of those hidden gems where I remember being on the phone with you, Chris Hallioris, after that match and being like, yo, did you see that result? And then I remember calling Nick Ruskin and being like, yo, did you see that result? And it was just laughable. And by the way, you know who else came through in that match once again? as he always does, I actually think he is a PTP, Andrew Fenty, who beat Karamov 3-3 three and three in that match, but just like, I guess, Nick, the question I would ask is, if you play Gavin at 4 and Bick at 5, are you sacrificing the short term to build for the future, or do you have as much faith at Gavin at 4 this year as you would, to Chris's point, as a Bic at, you know, as opposed to playing Bic in that position?
2: Yeah, absolutely, no. I don't think you're sacrificing anything, I mean, to, to Chris's point, there there could be arguments on both sides of whether, you know, Bick might be the more steady player right now. But I think with Gavin's upside, you're looking now and into the future, I mean, the way he's built and his game style, he can just beat guys that, that maybe Bick can't. So I, I think if you put him at four, especially if he takes the leap that I think he's going to take, I mean, I think you're looking at a top four for Michigan that, that may be one of the best in the country. It is one of the best in the How country. How about a top five? A top five, like again. I mean, top six. I mean, we're <laughs> yeah. we're gonna be real good. Look, really, I mean, we got seven guys. We're gonna get to the depth too. But I mean, look, I think this is our year. I mean, we're. I'll save the ramp for the end. But I, I'm I'm very confident with how this Michigan team's gonna. Work.
0: All right, I like to hear it. Nicholas Gruskin and remember he speaks for the family always. Um, with that in <laughs> mind, Chris. Again, you talk about the weapons. Gavin has, obviously. We've talked about all these guys, established matches. But I go back to that Texas match. And I apologize, Chris. I'm coming back to you in a second. But I have never been, I've never seen Nick Ruskin, who, for the record, is not an emotional guy. I think I got the emotions in the family, he got the quantitative skills. Um, I have never seen Nick Ruskin with a bigger smile on his face than after that Texas match last year when Nino Aaron Schneider who again is the other returner I want to bring up here in this conversation Nino beating CM Waltdeep 7-6 7-6 in you know you talked about the Styler spaziri match being pro tennis and that match didn't finish three all third set breaker was exceptional tennis I think top 100 level tennis truth be told Aaron Schneider-Waldi wasn't that far off. Like, Nino beat CM 6-6, six and, six, and CM struggled last year, but he did not struggle in the match against Nino. That was elite, challenger-level tennis between those two guys. And then you go to the Big Ten Championship in Ohio State, and again, we're on FaceTime, Nick Ruskin and I. I he's like, he literally... A director. He goes. Go back to the Nino match because Nino played Boulet just so freaking well. Or excuse me, Trotter so freaking well. A two and four win over Trotter in that match. Before we even get to the new piece, Nick. If I say Nino Aaron Schneider is the number six singles player for Michigan tennis this year, and for what it's worth, you look at Nino's stats last season. Nino ultimately in singles another just laughable fourteen and two overall in dual match play. It's always good to have a lefty. He is indeed that lefty. And just like the concept of Nino at six, Nick, I mean, talk to me. Your thoughts on Nino's level.
2: Yeah, I think the fact that we haven't even brought up Nino yet just speaks to the depth of this Michigan team. I mean, he's certainly probably not a guy you're going to want in the top three of the lineup. But I think if Nino has to play four in a pinch, five, six, I, I, I think you feel pretty good about your chances there. Another guy who was really, really good last year had a really good fall you know tall lefty crafty game likes to get to the net i think if you put him in the back of the lineup whether it be the four or five or six spot you feel really good and again i mean him and bickerstaff it was never always so clear that you know bickerstaff would be ahead of nino they they went back and forth earlier in their michigan career so i think the fact that we're looking him looking at him as maybe a six guy as opposed to a four or five guy isn't even doing nino justice i think he's a great player i think he can beat some really good guys and I think if you put him anywhere in that back after the lineup, you have to feel pretty good.
0: And that's the thing, Chris, right? It's like all six guys for this Michigan team, again, all of them put up some stats last year, except for Andrew Fenty, who of every guy in the lineup has earned the benefit of the doubt because he probably has the most pedigree of anyone on this Michigan team. But, like, Aaron Schneider at six, are you feeling good, Chris?
1: How can you not feel good? I mean... (laughs) For the Didn't record, a I did this not. Summer?
0: I did not pay Chris to be this pro Michigan going into the show, folks. No, this is I completely mean, yeah, I natural. He,
1: I think he won a 15k this mm-hmm. summer. He beats. Look, we're talking about how do you feel about Nino at six when uh, Gustav Strom he beats Strom <laughs> this year, and we're talking. That's a guy that we're talking about. He, he plays one for, for a power five team and a good top 15 power five team in Arizona, right? One or two, right? What, depending on the day, but, and now you're going, Hey, do you feel good about a guy that did that playing six for you? Absolutely. I feel good. I mean, there's no way I don't feel good. And the, and the sad part is I have a debate in my own head as to whether he's six or seven. I mean, you know that's the depth on this team is it is he are you gonna play him are you gonna play somebody that we're you know i'm sure we're gonna talk about here shortly i don't know but yeah you either way you definitely don't feel bad if that's who you're playing at six
0: no i mean again collectively you talk about the guys just i want to go through one more time what the records were for each of them last season Pickerseth in and dual match play 18 and 3 aaron schneider 14 and 2 Maloney sixteen and two, Styler nineteen and four, Young fourteen and three, Fenty ten and eight, but the seventeen and one fall he put together and the experience of playing top three over the course of the past three four seasons and you know again a guy we haven't talked about yet but Will Cooksey who was I mean like Nick will you just give me three minutes on Cooksey please because I like I there's nothing I enjoy more than you going on your don't forget
2: about Will Cooksey (laughs) rants. Well, look, I have a, a fun story about Cooksey. So when my single was going into my junior senior year of high school in the close, Midwest close, you know, I, I was an okay Midwest player. Nothing special, obviously. That's why I'm on the pod and not playing for one of these teams. But I look at the draw, and I drew Will Cooksey first-round in singles and Will Cooksey first-round in doubles. So we play the first-round dubs match, like, before before the singles draw. And me and my partner played, you know, one of the best matches of our lives. We ended up winning. I think it was 8-6. It was only a pro set. He was a two seed. It was a huge win for me. Best for moment him, of my life. I've never been
0: happier, prouder. I was like, that is my baby brother out there. I was like, God, I'm so proud. Carry
2: on. I played great. Anyway, the next day I have to play him in singles. And when I tell you, I got rolled. <laughs> I mean, he came out there and just destroyed me. I, the fact that I beat him in doubles the day before, I mean, the way that guy moves he's so athletic really really solid i think you could play a, a big role in in this team's double lineup maybe if not the singles lineup but i think you know he, he's gotten way bigger since high school too he's big guy good volleys, good serve i think you could look at him being a contributor in the doubles lineup this year
0: yeah, absolutely, and then my boy P-Torn, of course, P-Torn, uh, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to butcher the last name, I think it's Hans Shikol. Um look, he got a really good win over Presley Thieneman in the course of a fall event, and like, again, you take some of these fall events with a grain of salt, but p ultimately 9-4 in the fall, like, even outside of the new returning depth, uh, outside of the new additions, this team has depth across the option. If you're playing indoor tennis and your Cooksie's at six, again, I talk about that Nebraska-Wisconsin trips or like the Indiana swing that they've got this year. If Cooksey's playing six, indoor tennis with his weapons, his ability to move forward. And again, a lot of those stats I do want to point out, and Chris, I'm surprised you didn't do this yet already. The back end of the Big Ten wasn't great last year. Like, let's just be honest for all of you listeners. And wasn't great might honestly be being kind to some of those Big Ten schools at the bottom of the uh, of the conference last year. But like, all these guys are going to get matches. All these guys are going to have the opportunity to build their confidence, and all of them bring that in already. That said, Chris, the thing that takes this team over the top is probably addition of Bjorn Svensson. Right? Talk to me about Bjorn. Talk to me about what he was able to accomplish in the course of this fall, this summer, and why you're so excited about him.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, a, a couple thoughts. First, yeah, that's not going to change this year. Mm. The bottom end of the Big Ten, pretty much what it was <laughs> last year. Uh, the second, you know, I can't believe that in both of your talks about Cooksey, no one brings up the fact that he beat ACC from Florida State, Antoine Cornette Chauvin, <laughs> in straight sets, three and four. I mean, that was a great win for Cooksey that just shows, you know, the kid can play. He's probably not, I mean, let's probably aside, he's Mm -hmm. not going to crack the top six of this lineup when it really, really matters. But if injuries come about or whatever happens, do you feel bad if he ends up in the lineup? Absolutely not. He he can play. Uh, So, yeah, I mean... No, that that's a guy that can play. Now, on to your question, Bjorn Swenson. We've talked about, you know, we've talked about Gavin Young. We've talked about Bickerstead. The guy, you know, the guy that to me, and you mentioned Gavin Young as sort of your, you know, the guy that was the X factor. To me, the guy that's the X factor is really Bjorn Swenson. Because he could be, you, we've got Aaron Schneider. You know, we we've got the other two guys there in the four, five, six spots, but it's really to me a four, five, six, seven. And Swenson being the newcomer, you have to believe probably starts as the odd man out. But this is a guy that beat uh, you know Adrian Boyton twice <laughs> this year, twice. You beat the number one guy from Baylor that's left and turned pro and was top five in the country. You beat him twice, and we're talking about. Now maybe you make the lineup and maybe you don't. The fact that we're even considering that just lets you know how much depth there is on the team, and that's the kind of upside that 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 has got to work with here. And obviously, it's going to be up to whatever these guys show him leading into uh, you know kickoff weekend and then indoors, uh, presuming that they that you know that they're there. Who knows who who's in and who's out? But it's a it's a real real battle for four, five six, seven and who's the guy left out? and, and you know, you and I have gone through this off off uh, pond m- many times in can you possibly leave Dickerette out of the lineup? Probably not. Probably not. Can you leave Gavin Young out of the lineup? I don't see it. Can you leave Aaron Schneider out of the lineup? I don't see it. Well, if you don't, that means Swenson's out. A guy that beat Boyton twice. How do you do that? I don't know. Other than, you know, when you're playing teams where you've got the luxury of being able to rotate people through the lineup. Sure, everybody gets playing time. But when it really comes down to it and you're playing your A lineup, who's the guy that's sitting? None of them deserve to sit, but one of them has to.
0: Nick, I know you don't know a ton about Bjorn. But again, you look at what he was able to accomplish in the fall, Bjorn Swenson 8 and 1 overall in the fall college tennis matches that he played, two wins over Adrian Boyton, one of them at Rancho Santa Fe, the other coming in Decatur. Now, you know, again, there were some losses. I would point out he lost 2 and 1 in Lakewood to Jack Anthrop. He lost 6 and 2 to Garrett Johns, 3 and 1 to Alex Mickelson. The thing I would point out though is that you're not asking Bjorn to play number one singles. You're not asking Bjorn to play number four singles even. And it's just like, that's the thing, right, Nick? Is like that additional piece of depth. I guess if you were to point to Michigan's single biggest strength, and I want to project the lineup, I'm going to put you on the spot. Is it the top end? Is it the depth? Like, what is it about this team that has you singularly most excited other than the Patrick Maloney? Eh.
2: Yeah, I think that you know, in the past, we may have struggled on the top end, and I think we're stronger this year than we have been in years past. But I really do think that the difference between this year and, so, and some of the years prior is the back-end depth. I mean, I think you have to feel confident going into every match at four through six. And even with Bo- Bjorn coming in at seven, potentially six or five, however that you know sort of ends up, I think you feel really good. I would say I think that's probably the biggest question heading into this year's who ends up at that sixth spot. Not that whoever it is will be a weakness per se, but I think the consistency that you know out of Nino, the experience, I would lean him at least to start the year. But I think if you, got, if you have a guy like Bjorn and his upside, you got to give him some, some play and see what he can do. And, and if he ends up in the sixth spot or even higher, it's a luxury, if anything else.
0: And this is where it gets back to the over-unders you mentioned earlier, Chris. If you're Coach Steinberg... And you're looking not only for this year, of course, but he's still the head coach. you got to look big picture. I want Bjorn to get some reps. I want Cooksey to get some reps. And that's why, let's set it at this, over-under and not national indoors, not kickoff weekend, not NCAA tournament. If I say the over-under is 22.5 total non-national indoor, big uh, non-NCAA matches for Fenty and styler combined are you taking the over or the under chris because i do wonder because you do have to think about the future at some point point. and like again not to be rude to indiana or purdue but it's like i got a chance to flex the young guns don't you have to take that chance chris if you're steiny
1: you do and man as much as i'm more pro michigan than you thought i might be coming into the pod <laughs> i don't want to on the Big Ten, <laughs> but God, yes you do. I want to say over, but you're going to have more than ample opportunity to go under because you look like there's just not that much competition. Like if you don't want to play those guys, you don't have to for for much of the conference season. I still think the answer is I. I, I mean, if you made me bet, the answer is over. I mean, I still think those guys. Uh, between them, play more than that. You know, twelve matches a piece. Sure, outside, even outside of the the matches you talked about, I, I think they play there. But absolutely, Steiny is going to make sure that guys like you know Swenson and and whoever whoever and Cooksy or whoever he's rotating in through there get an opportunity to play. They're going to get to play, especially when they're playing the bottom half uh, of the Big Ten I don't know that they'll get to see matches you know in the super super important times unless we have some injuries and and that would be you know probably not a real good thing because they truly are a seven deep super deep seven wise team and then after that yeah then you're starting to talk about bringing guys in uh, like like Cooksey but and you don't feel bad about it, but I don't think that that's not what if you're trying to win a national championship, which I think is obviously what's on these guys' minds. This isn't a, hey, let's just try to compete with Ohio State for the big ten. This is a, hey, let's win the big ten, but you know what? if we don't give the big ten if we don't win the big ten, who cares? We're going after the national championship because we've got the team that can win a national title, and they absolutely do. Uh, and, and I think that's what they're after.
0: No, absolutely. And again, I counted the match. Uh, we're gonna rapid fire through Nick then Chris. You tell me, does one of Fenty or uh, or Styler sit in this match? And they've got a really good schedule. But I want to go through some of the opportunities. Bu, do you sit one of them, Nick? One or both? Bigger stuffs playing one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're both. They're both sitting.
0: Okay, Brown Cleveland State double header. Do either of them play either of those matches
2: in singles? Probably one will play at Brown. Uh, and, and then for Cleveland State would be my
1: guess, Chris. Yeah, no, I'd say just just for the reps, they don't need either. But just for the reps, somebody I think I'm um, with Nick. I think they both one of them plays each.
0: Well, I'm surprised you didn't call him Gruskin, Chris. I was expecting you to throw that in there. I, I appreciate that I'm Gruskin and he's Nick. That's respect right <laughs> there. Uh, he just kissed the ring metaphorically. Uh, look, look, he's not
2: calling me. He's not calling me. So <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Not
0: yet. Yeah, we're almost there. It's because you haven't offered any egregious takes quite yet. Uh, that's funny. Um, look, I mean, again, I really like the fact that there are some really fun matches like at Baylor, February 3rd, Harvard, February 5th, NC State, February 10th, USC, February 13th. Big boys are playing all of those matches, but like at Notre Dame, at Washington. Nick, don't you think they might sit one of those guys one of those weekends?
2: Washington, maybe. For sure. I, Nick? Yeah, yeah. Maybe I don't know. I, I mean, I think you want to, you want to put the, the big dogs out there, and uh, get the reps, make sure that the, the lineup's solidified. But I think there's going to be a lot of resting. You're, yeah, you're definitely right. The thing is,
0: like Maloney and Fenty may want to play the NCA tournament, and it's like that would be my only thing about the resting. But like the moment your wrist is twingy in the slightest, or like, ouch! I woke up and I. I stepped wrong out of my Ziragon bed, or like the landmark gym was a little unkind to me on Tuesday. Okay, don't worry. Cooksies in. Like, oh, don't worry. Bjorn's playing today. Like, I just think this team has options. And by the way, Coach Steinberg, with the energy Michigan teams bring in doubles with the pedigree of success I think this team has had over the past few years, you look for them overall, 51-19 and 19 in individual dual-match sets throughout the course of last season in doubles. We don't know what the combinations are. I will say Fenty and Gavin have had some success, 8-3 and three overall so far in the fall. You and I, Nick, could not Chris anymore at his advanced age, but you and I, I feel like, could play with Styler. And, like, that's a— that, that's not a—I mean, we saw it with Bickerstaff last year. Like, it's not the worst three-doubles team in the world. And then give me the lefty Nino, who's been a top-ten guy with Fenty in the past. Like, oh, what if Styler and Fenty—and then, like, by the way, you just have a floating Maloney who will be in the doubles lineup. and maybe that's where you're going to miss Nick Beatty more than anything else because— All right, this is the tangent. Chris, this is Nick Gruskin's moment. Maloney and Beatty entered the NCAA doubles tournament last year.
2: So I'm happy you brought this up because I watched the Texas match and they smoked the team that won it all. The, the fact that they were left out of that doubles tournament after going on about a 10 match win streak, where their ratio of yells to games lost was infinite. It's absurd. I mean, that team, if you put them in the doubles in that tournament, they win. And I don't think they're dropping a set. I mean, they were clicking. Uh, disgraceful. That's all I have. Wasn't to it like about six that. six
1: one over Harper and C-1? I mean,
2: it was, it was, it was six one, but it it, it felt like me and Alex were playing them. <laughs> I mean, there was, I mean, from the second that first serve was hit, you knew who was winning that match. Disgraceful that they were left out of that tournament. It's all right, you know, they're homers against Michigan because if you put them in there, I mean, Alex on the broadcast after Maloney yells to win it all, I mean, the, the whole audio might cut out. So it's probably good for everyone that it that they weren't, but, I mean, that team's winning it all.
0: No comment. I have nothing to add. Nothing to add. Chris, anything? No, no.
1: <laughs> I'll say, you, you talked about, you were talking about the, the schedule and how many, you know, of Fenty and Styler who plays Notre Dame-Washington. I will say the one thing that I, I'm not particularly fond of for the schedule uh, for the Wolverines is after that Washington match, which is February 26th, they don't play another meaningful match for, you know, almost a month. It's March 19th. You know, when most teams and schools are kind of getting their conference season going, say at the beginning of March, they go and play the Pacific coast doubles in early March. But they've got, you know, a good almost four weeks between that Washington match and then a non-conference in the home-and-home home with Ohio State uh, to March 19th. That's a long, long break. So, yes, they can get away without playing Fenty or Styler if they want in the Notre Dame-Washington series. Uh, but, it's boy, that's just a that's a long way to go without playing competitive matches for most of the team. Uh, all the way to, Mar- you know, to to mid- more, more than midway through March, March 19th, and then start the Big Ten season on March 24th. That worries me a little just about getting back into it. I'm sure Stiney will have them ready. They'll figure out what they need to do to be ready. But that's a, that's a long break without competitive play.
0: So you're correct. Here's the other thing I would just point out quickly. As good as Cleve and Richard were to ultimately win that NCA final, the three best doubles teams I've ever seen play in college tennis, Buchanan Rola, Labedus Reese, and Votzel Cash. Votzel Cash were so good last year. I just would like to point that out because they ultimately fell one match, one third set breaker short of becoming the second team ever to win the Triple Crown. And I do, I can hear fans right now being like, get off the homerism. And I just want to say with my eyes, Cash, if Cash has a right ACL, or I forget which leg it was, the right or the left, if he has two knees in that NCAA doubles final, I don't have a doubt in my mind that Ohio State wins that NCAA doubles title. Because again, Cash and Wotzel, I mean, Votzel's forehand's a joke. Just a joke. And then like Cash was cleaning up everything at the net so I would have loved to see that match because they were as hot as any two teams in the country no doubt about that in April but with that said all right now comes the fun stuff we get to go through the schedule go through the weaknesses go through the predictions but first let's predict the lineup we've talked about all the pieces I'll start with you Chris Hallioris. give me the one through six come May
1: come May oh I don't get to pick the the like kickoff no you can do both you can do both Or even indoors. No, no, you can't. To start the year, my lineup goes Maloney 1, Penty 2, and as unlikely as it would possibly seem, Styler 3. I'm going Gavin Young 4, Bickersteth 5, and in a battle, Aaron Schneider has to play, so he's six. And Swenson, the guy that beat Boyton twice, is sitting out on the sideline, looking l- looking from the outside in at seven.
0: Nicholas Gruskin, thoughts?
1: Yeah, I, I think
2: to to start the year, I think I'd probably switch who plays two and who plays three. Although I get, I I get that argument, but other than that, I think our, our lineups are the same. Yeah, I mean. What Michigan. do you think, Al, if you're the coach, if you're the coach of Michigan Well as, as listeners
0: know I'm third in the line to succession is a joke I like to frequently <laughs> make uh on this podcast. Um come My May. to make What'd... that second, you know. No, Benny's second. And <laughs> come on. Like I, I would first of all, I'd be offended if they if uh, why are well, we even inter- him get him another I, job. First of all, that, I like that Benny we're I like that we're entertaining this hypothetical as a real thing. Shout out <laughs> to the both of you for at least entertaining here in this moment. <laughs>
2: I've had to put up with you all on vacation. I've heard worse.
0: Yeah, exactly. I always say third in the line of succession. Um, uh, It's really, really – it's
2: – I mean what, – What about come May? Here's the thing. That's more what I'm interested in.
0: I play Drew at one because the concept uh, – he's a PTP. Like, the better the opponent, the better the Andrew Fenty. And that's why I've always been a believer in him because I know when it's crunch time, it's on the table, like – I'll ride with Fenty, and ent- I'll feel fine about it because I know the effort I'm going to get. I know this kid will die on the court before he lets himself lose in an embarrassing fashion. Just look at the track record. I mean, he has cannon in that match in Columbus back in 20- 2021, Nick, a match where, again, if Nick Beattie doesn't shank a forehand, maybe all this stuff happens for Michigan the year prior, and then it- maybe there are preseason number one going into this season. Are you going to miss the – I love you, Nick Beattie. Nick Beattie knows – life, there's always a spot. Open, there are two seats always open for Knicks on this show, Nick Ruskin and Nick Beattie. Are you happy you're never going to have to send me a Nick Beattie text again, Nick
2: Ruskin? <laughs> I am, um, although I will say that Nick Beattie versus Cleve Harper, I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought there might be a fist fight. I mean, who knew what was going to happen in that match? Uh, the,
0: they both were in on the joke, though. That was the thing that made that match okay, is that they both were like, hey, we're doing this for the realm. Like this is not to make either of us. This is for our teams. Yeah, it was Texas,
2: Michigan. It was just. I mean, some of the some of the noises they were making on those grunts were like nothing I've ever heard. <laughs> well but said. it was a great match. Yeah, look, I think again, you've talked about beating. I think that's one of the strengths of this Michigan team compared to last year. I think having the luxury of playing a Nino or Bjorn at six as. Supposed to be who has you had some very big wins but was also sometimes struggled, particularly in like the biggest moments. I, I, I just think that in the biggest matches this year for Michigan, you just have to feel really, really good about the back end of the lineup.
0: If you played Anthony Pirro, what's your score, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> right now or
2: when I actually played tennis?
0: No comment. We could leave that there. Um, <laughs> no, that's just a joke, huh, for the old old heads. B D I would say that to your face. You know I love you. You know you're my guy till the end of time. Um, all right. I go Drew one. Uh, but a wise man once said, Maloney's playing top two and it ain't two. Uh,
1: <laughs> what, what, are, are we talking May or start of the year right now?
2: I don't know. I think
1: at the end of the year. I want I to talk know.
2: May because I I, don't, I I think that's when – get yeah, out of the
1: map. Nick and I gave our our opening day lineups. Let's let's yeah. shift, so to, shift the May to May. So shift to May. Give me
0: who you got then, Chris.
1: Uh, May. All right. So so my May lineup and I'm with Nick here especially if my sole intent is to win the national championship. I'm putting Fenty 1 because the ceiling is there and you can get and you can do it and if Fenty's on his game He's winning at one, and if he's not on his game, he's losing at one or three. It doesn't really matter. So I play Fenty one, Styler two, Maloney three. I actually think at that point you're going to be forced, even if you played like I suggested, Young at four and Bickersteth at five, come May, yeah, Bickersteth will have done so well at five that you won't have the option of being allowed to play him there anymore without protest. Bickersteth will be four, Young will be five, and you'll still have the battle at six between, you know, Bjorn Swenson uh, and Nino Schneider, And whoever wins that battle, it doesn't matter to me which, you know, who it is, but it's, it's the winner of that battle at six.
2: Nick? Yeah, I I go I go back and forth. Look, I I think I'm putting Styler at one because I I think he's capable of beating anyone in the country, and I think you want that luxury. Sure for the and first look, set
0: I, against Ben Shelton last year.
2: He did. I was watching that match too. Ben <laughs> Shelton in front of the pod, but I don't know. I I think I would put Styler at one, Maloney at two and i feel real good about maloney at two i think maloney is probably a little bit more consistent than styler and so i think that styler's probably has a similar win percentage at one and that too similar to the reasons you guys are putting Fenty at one which i also understand um but i'm gonna put styler at one maloney at two Fenty at three although i'm not sold on that one (laughs) and then i would also put are you saying gavin at three Look, I think he's gonna have a good year. Doesn't matter. No, fire I, the tape, Nick. This is your moment. I love it. Look, I mean, I think, I think if Gavin Young plays, I mean, I think Gavin won. I know where this is a this year podcast, not a next year podcast. But I think Gavin's playing one next year.
0: Okay.
2: So I think it, I I think if he can be the player that I think he is, you put him at three. Fancy's not
1: losing at at four. But I'm I'm gonna. For this he's not put, playing it for. Come on. He'll take a match at four. There's no chance that's, he's playing for. I agree with you.
2: But Fenty went 10 and eight last year. I was, look, there were some group chats last year between Alex and I, two of our cousins. Andrew Fenty would not have liked them. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. So I'm going to put Fenty at three. He's, he's a big time player. He's going to win when we need him. Like you, I thought my hot take was going to be Bickerstaff at, at four and Gavin at five. Um, because I, I don't think – I think bigger is just too solid. And Gavin's not losing that five. And then I'll put Nino at six because I rock with the lefty.
0: Let the record show, Andrew, you'd be fine with my texts in that group chat. Let the record show <laughs> I always did my best to remain impartial. <sighs> I don't know, man. Like this team's got options. Here's what I'll say. The very best version of this team has Nino on the bench. And the reason I say the very best version of this team has that is because it means Bjorn Svensson, Swenson sorry, I can't help it. I think he's actually more intimidating if it's Svensson with a V and not Svensson. <laughs> you like so. a Viking. Yeah, exactly. He's more Thor if he's Svensson. So we'll go with a V. I think the best version of this team has Bjorn playing because it means then he was so undeniably excellent that you couldn't keep him out of the lineup where it was just like Steine was watching match in, match out. It's like, how can we not play this guy who beat Boyton twice? Like he has to play.
2: I think that's fair. I just think that I watching know, Michigan, man. one of the things we struggled with is that consistency. And while Bjorn's highs might be, you know, maybe a little bit higher than, you know, I just, as of now, I tend to value the experience that Nino brings. I mean, I saw him against Texas, and he was good against Ohio State. Now, he, he did have a letdown in the in the NCAA tournament against Ohio State. I think he'd want that one back. But overall, I just I feel more confident putting an upperclassman in as opposed to Bjorn, who, you know, in the college environment. We'll see. Well, then let's
0: go to the next part, weaknesses. What's your biggest concern, Chris, for this team?
1: Man, I mean, I, honestly, I don't have a ton of You shut because, your f- mouth. Don't you dare <laughs> put that in the ether. Yeah, there's there's seven deep. So it, with a lot of teams, you question. Yeah, I mean, I would say, hey, certainly coming into the season, I have doubts about how ready is Styler going to be to get going right out of the gate, let's say, just because I don't think he's played a lot. But there's seven deep. If Styler isn't playing I don't care. I'm not worried about them until, you know, March, April, May without a styler. They're fine without him. I don't really have a ton of, I mean, it would take multiple injuries or multiple guys not playing. We don't have a lot of teams where we feel so good seven deep. There's a lot of teams that were like, oh, they're good six deep. But man, when we got to bring that seventh guy in, it gets a little dicey. No concerns here whatsoever. I don't think there's a there's a lot. I think my biggest concern, honestly, is going to be what do they find in the in in the context of doubles teams? Who are they going to play and how are they going to fare doubles wise? I have zero concerns about them in a singles lineup, no matter what they have to play, barring two guys getting injured. I'm a little, I'm a little more unknown on what the doubles is going to look like. That's my only concern. I don't have any other concerns for this team.
0: Nick Ruskin.
2: Yeah, I think for me, there's probably two. I think first is, you know, by NCAA time, have we had the tough match experience that some of these SEC schools and other conferences are going to have, just as a byproduct of who they're playing. I mean, Ohio State's obviously great, and those matches will be good, but. You know, as we talked about, there's just not going to be a lot of matches where they have to bring their full lineup and have that intensity. So I'm a little worried come NCAA time that we just won't have the the big match reps to be ready to perform when we need to. And I think my second one would be, as Chris mentioned, who that six doubles guy is going to be. I think we've got five guys who I, I feel confident about, um, Tyler, Fenty, Maloney, Nino, and Galvin. And and I I'm not sure who that six is going to be. I think Cooksey could play that role. He certainly has the frame. Um, I think he's got the ability as well, but but we'll see. I think finding that six-doubles guy is going to be important as well.
0: My biggest concern would be listen to the past 72 minutes of podcasting. We are talking about a juggernaut. We're talking about a team that, like, we have, by the tone of this podcast, the three of us have very little concerns about, that we think they're going to be in the hunt at every big event, at every big whatever opportunity. This team lost first run of the NCAA tournament two years ago. This team has not made a national indoor final 16 field since they made that miracle dream. I can't believe it still happened. Run to the semifinals where they should have beaten you, Brett Macy and the eventual champions, USC Trojans in that semifinal match. We won doubles and six or five first sets. I believe it was five first sets in that match, Chris, and ultimately lose it. Some scholars have argued that's happened like twice in the past 10 years. Um, and like, we're talking about a team that's going to have pressure. That for the first time, Michigan is no longer the Hunters, they're the hunted. And that's why this team has to make the national indoors. That's why this team has to get to Nick's point some big matches. They have to get calloused up. And that's why, shout out to Steiny. he saw the experience on his roster. He saw everything this team has, and he said, let the big dog drink. And you look at the schedule this team has, Tennessee at home, January 19th. At Baylor, February 3rd. Harvard, February 5th. Harvard's going to be a sneaky good team, as we talked about earlier, Chris, here this year. At NC State, a round of 16 team that's a year more experience. Now, NC State's probably a year away, but that's a really frisky team to have to face in Raleigh on February 10th. Then USC comes to town right before the national indoors. They've got the home-at-home with Ohio State. That's never easy No, again, they have a lot of Big Ten matches on their schedule. Um, By the way, I mentioned at Notre Dame, at Washington, feels worth pointing out as well, Chris. There's always the outdoor conundrum for any indoor team. You're not playing outside until earliest, probably end of March, start of April, and that's being very ideal given Michigan weather. But, like, Chris, is this schedule enough to get this team to a top eight seed, even if they don't run the table the way the three of us seem to be depicting? Or does this team need to have some serious not like how important is that? Do they have to go 4-0 in the at Baylor, Harvard, NC State, USC run? Like how tough is it for them to be not just a top eight seed, because for being a top eight, you don't want to be seven. You don't want to be six because then you got to face, you know, a TCU or a Ohio State or, you know, whomever it may be, maybe a Virginia first quarterfinal, first match in Orlando. Right. That is no cakewalk for a team that hasn't been past the quarterfinals of the NCAA tournament as a group. Like what's the margin for error? What does this have to team have to do to be a top eight seed?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you, you pinned it right there. That that February run, the, the Baylor-Harvard-NC State-USC swing uh, for them where they get two of those matches at home in Harvard and USC and two on the road at Baylor and NC State, that's going to probably make make the difference for them. Absolutely, you want to be, uh, you know, at a minimum, a top-eight seed. And, yeah, like you said, with, with the Big Ten schedule – it, it's not great. They do at least get the home and home with Ohio State. So, uh, again, Ohio State, Michigan, both should be top five, at worst, top eight teams. If you split those, as we've talked about before, there's almost no penalty for losing. There's a huge bonus for winning. Splitting those matches is fine and will do you a world of good. The problem is the rest of that Big Ten schedule is just crap outside of Ohio <laughs> State. I mean, yeah, Northwestern, Illinois could be good. You know, throw twenty-five else in there. You're not going to get a lot of points out of out of anything. So they've got to capitalize on that February swing in that in that you know Baylor, Harvard, NC State, USC. At a minimum, they have to go three and one there. I think they could still do a top eight if they're three and one but they probably need to go 4-0.
0: So Nick, I'll bring you back in in a second for predictions, but kickoff weekend, Cal Poly first round, then the winner of Northwestern Arkansas. I think all three of us think they will get through those matches. So let's say there's two there. The four non-conference brings us to six. Let's say they just play three matches at the National Indoor. That's nine. Then at Notre Dame at Washington is 11. Do they have to go 10-1, Chris? Do they have to go 9-2? Like what's the number?
1: Well, I mean, they they could lose. I mean, it would be kind of ugly if they lost. Say, the they Tennessee. have to
0: win at Baylor. Oh yeah, and the Tennessee in January. Good call. Yeah, I
1: mean that's the that's the tough one. Obviously, they're going to beat Boston. They're going to beat Brown. They're going to beat Cleveland State. They're going to beat Cal Poly. They're you know they're going to make it to indoors. They'll beat Northwestern or Arkansas. Yeah, it, it's the Tennessee match. The Baylor match is tough. That Harvard match, I mean, all four of those February matches, Baylor, Harvard, NC State, USC, they're all tough. I think if they make it out of there with, I mean, I don't think they have to go 10-1. and I think if they go 9-2 and that they still have a chance. They certainly can't go any worse than that. Mm -hmm. But two losses, depending on on who they're to, like if you lose to a Tennessee and a USC that are both going to be you know, in all likelihood, top 10, if not top six or seven teams, man, no harm there. Now, if you lose to, say, Baylor, NC State, USC, and Tennessee, you know, you're in a world of hurt now. I mean, you didn't get it. None of those are going to be bad losses, but you blew your opportunity to get your good wins, and there just aren't any good wins to be had outside of Ohio State, and let's see if a Northwesterner or Illinois steps up in the Big Ten. Outside of that, you're you're in a tough spot going into the Big Ten season. Nick, when's your spring break? Uh, Marchish, Mar- early March. Yeah. As you say, March. are
0: you going to come to the indoors in Chicago?
2: I w- would love to. That would be fun. I don't ta- know. We'll, we'll have to see.
0: Should I talk to our league people, aka mom and yeah, dad? Yeah, think- <laughs> <I think
2: so. laughs> I'll, talk-
0: I'll talk to our league mom soon. and dad. Yeah, see, by the way, my favorite thing about the Michigan men's tennis schedule page is the countdown to the match. 16 days, 15 hours, 58 minutes, 22 seconds as of this recording till we take on Brun. We, there it is, third one of the podcast. Only took me 79 minutes to get there. And with that said, I think we've gone long enough. Nick, do you have any thoughts on the schedule? Are you ready to offer predictions?
2: No, let's do the prediction.
0: All right, let's get to it then. We'll start with Chris. Yeah, okay. Chris, first of all, is this team a top eight seed?
1: hundred percent
0: nicholas is this team a top eight seed i think so okay chris how does this team do at the national indoors
1: they're a good indoor team i mean honestly my only question is how much how much tennis has styler played going into indoors but it's a lot of time i mean we can get through kickoff weekend and at the end of january we've got till mid-february to do that um I don't know that they I don't think they win it, but I'll say they make it to the finals of indoors. Nicholas Gruskin.
2: Yeah, I'm with Chris. I'm not sure I'm not sure if we win it, but I, I think finals finals is probably uh where I see us.
0: I'm deferring from predictions in this podcast. I'm gonna get in enough trouble. I'm like thinking back what these eighty minutes have been and I'm like uh <laughs> God, like people are gonna be like, "Really, Alex?" And I'll be like, "What? It was Nick. It
1: wasn't me." Um, Yeah, yeah. The only reason you invited him on, come
2: on. Um, Look, I'm here to say what we're both thinking.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: No comment. Um, Okay. Record against Ohio State. Let's say they play three times: two in the regular season, Big Ten Conference Championship. Chris, record.
1: Where's the Big Ten tournament? It's Great question. Bloomington. Push, Bloomington. Uh, oh, yes. That's near home. Oh, yeah. Neutral site for the Big Ten championship. Uh, I'm going two and one.
0: Okay. Nicholas?
2: I was really hoping you would say one and two. Look, I think it's hard to, to beat them three times in a year. I think we'll probably go one and one in the in the regular season. I was hoping that that Big Ten title was in Columbus. But I don't care where you put it. Put it. Michigan's winning that.
0: no comment um all right it's time for the big one you 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 see the chairs in columbus
1: right yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) again
0: chris's words not me or nick don't get us in trouble um okay ncaa tournament we've established their top eight seeds chris hallioris i defer to you first where is this team going and for the record, just for our listeners who have been keeping track at home, you said quarterfinals for Texas, right?
1: Or I semis. Did.
0: No, you said quarters for them. So I you still have quarters. semis, finals, and winners left on your board. Now, you could be boring and go straight up top three, those three results. It would make sense, Chris. Or you can add some spice right here. Right. Actually, don't you dare pick them as the winner. If you pick I, them I mean, as a winner. I, look, come on. Don't steal my
1: thunder, Gruskin. I am <laughs> absolutely jinxing your They're winning at all. <laughs> okay, make the case. I mean, look, my my I, I'm I'm down to Ohio State who I'm never going to pick to win the actual outdoor national championship until they can show me they can win outdoors, which I like with a couple of the new additions like Anthrop this year outdoors. Uh, but still, and uh, granted, you know, one of the things I haven't talked about up to now is, Michigan's, you know, we always talk about Ohio State as being the indoor team that struggles when we get the out, outdoor. The same concept goes for, for Michigan, but I'm I, at this point, I'm down to a Uh, a Michigan, Ohio State, Virginia. I'm not picking Ohio State. To win back-to-back absolutely can be done. It's just not easy with Virginia. I like what Michigan's got. I like the depth on the roster. The fact that I have absolutely zero qualms seven deep. And if they have to go eight, I don't even feel terrible. There are teams in there that if they was, if they suffer an injury, I don't feel great about. I feel just fine. I don't care if somebody goes down. I don't even care if it's one of the top three guys that goes down for Michigan. I feel fine with where they're at. I'm taking them to win the title. And forcing you... Into going, oh my God, what the hell am I going to do now? Well, I want you to be, comp- I, want, my guys. I
0: want to be abundantly clear. We cut all of that, Chris. There's not a chance of letting any listener hear that. I'm <laughs> cutting, oh, <a>, I'm cutting <laughs> around finals, and just like that's going to be a one-word answer uh, for you there. All right, Nick Ruskin, speak
2: for the household. Chris, I am so upset with you. I was hoping you'd give some, you know, rational take. Michigan's going to make the semis. You no, they just don't have the experience because. There was no doubt in my mind that if I was coming on Alex's podcast for a Michigan Wolverine preseason overview, you know I'm picking the Wolverines. Look, this is our year. Okay, we've got a top three that's been there. They're all veterans. They're experienced. Patrick Maloney is ready to play. You put that guy on a court when it matters. Same with Fenty. Same with Tyler. There's not a better top three in the country. And this year where we're different is that back end of the lineup. I mean, we've got seven guys, as you've mentioned, who are all just killers. You can put them at top end, back end. It doesn't matter. We're giving every team in the country the fight. We're always ready to play doubles. And this team, Michigan, it's not a team anymore where, oh, we're happy to be here. Or maybe we'll beat Ohio State once this year. Or, hey, who knows what's going to happen in the Big Ten title. We belong. We know we belong. We're ready to go. This is our year. We're winning it all. Go blue. Well said. Here's what I would add.
0: Not a prediction, but just some commentary. A wise man once said, it's not the best team, it's the team that loves each other the most, that ultimately wins the NCAA title. And no one can deny that this Michigan team plays as if they love each other. The energy they bring, the passion they bring, the competitive spirit they bring, not just you know for the big matches or the big moments, but it. Any given moment of the match, it is decreed at the University of Michigan that you lose your voice each and every time you play on court. And those little things are the things that typically make the difference in the end of a season, especially with talent being equal, with pieces being there. Does this team have the cojones, the chutzpah, all those factors to take that extra intangible edge moving forward? And, like, yes, this team does. That is what an Adam Steinberg team does. They're loose. They love each other. They get loud for one another. They embrace the atmosphere, the craziness that is college tennis. I am the most superstitious human you will ever meet in the world. I have them as the finalists. I just, I can't, I can't do that to people. I can't pick them to win. I can't do it. I don't want to break anyone's heart. Like, I just can't do it. I can't. I, you know, I, again, Nick speaks for the household. That's why he's the Ivy League degree. I told this to Chris on a different podcast. I have my parents and my brother's calling me Pubby now because I'm the only one who went to a public school, first, Nick. Yeah, go ahead.
2: All right. First of all, my parents are – Alex is calling himself Pubby right now. This is a self-proclaimed <laughs> nickname. No one has called him that. He started calling himself that. He's playing the victim here. This is – Alex is the one who came up with this. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> He's ratting out my
0: group chats.
2: He's ratting out the truth here. <laughs> this is why we should have him on more
0: frequently. Um, look, this team's excellent. Every team, USC onwards, excellent. Like, all these teams have the pieces. All that can coalesce properly. It's the best Michigan team of our lifetime and maybe the best Michigan team in program history. Look, every college coach – sans one has said alex you went to the university of michigan we get it i am not biased i could broadcast a match call it straight up i can turn off the michigan gear believe me folks but as someone who attended the university of michigan if you are in ann arbor and you do not go watch this team play and you call yourself a tennis fan I'm taking your card because you're just lying to yourself. This is the team. This is the year since the 2020 finals. This is the moment it's been building for 2020 national indoors. Excuse me. Like if Michigan's going to win a national championship in our lifetime, this is the opportunity. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And Chris, I actually do want to let you comment that intangible things real, right? Like this Michigan team has that edge.
1: Well, there's no doubt. I mean, you, you, if you ever go and watch a match and you see, and we've talked about this countless times, there's a difference between six guys on a team and a team that has six guys, right, that are playing. I mean, there absolutely, when the guys are focused on the team and not what the individual results are and what they do, and they don't care, you know, when you've got – let's say a, Nino you know, Aaron Schneider that says, I don't, Hey, if Bjorn's better, a better fit for me on the day at six than I am and you want to play him by all means, coach play him. I just want to win. It's that kind of attitude. And when those guys are all playing together and that this team has that. And, and that's a, that's a big difference that, that people don't, you know, it's easy to look at the results and just go, Oh, so-and-so beat so-and-so and, you should have won four singles matches it's totally different when you start looking at uh, the team concept of things and it's hard for people to get yeah
0: no absolutely and um yeah look it's gonna be a fun year again there are a lot of really freaking good teams michigan absolutely on that list The only reason, listeners, for the record that we went 90 minutes on the Wolverines is because there's three of us. If we still had Maddie, all the episodes would still be 90 minutes. Let the record show this. People are going to see this and be like, of course you went 90 minutes on Michigan. Uh, With all of that said, I do have one more thing I want to do, but of course our number three preseason team, the University of Michigan. That said, we have Nicholas Gruskin here. He personally requested that we play a game of Alex Trivia because – Let's just say over the past four years, spent a lot of time with Chris or Some scholars have argued more time with him than perhaps my little brother, which is a faux pas on my heart. Rick, what was the impetus for wanting to play Alex Trivia?
2: Well, A, I want to test myself because I'm not sure how well I'm going to do. And also, like I mentioned, I know mom's listening, and she'll be very disappointed in me if I lose this game. And I know you spent a lot of time with Chris. So I'm excited. I think there's a high stakes I'm here. I'm sort of in a end. new situation here. I like it. You are. In <laughs> fact, if you want to throw a, a, a couple questions here or there, please, it would be real good for me.
0: <laughs> I like this. All right. Well, then Westoff, give me a sound effect. Let's have some fun. Let's end with a little Alex trivia. Hey, well, can,
1: can we get, by the way, a by the time this airs on Friday, a belated happy birthday Westoff sound effect? Thank you.
0: So I'm saving that for last, but yes. let's work that in at the end, Chris. I'll let you give the rant. Shout out to you. Um, all right, we're ready for Alex Trivia. Question let's do number one. Is this a jeopardy thing where you have to buzz in? or am I just going to go back and forth?
1: Oh, let's go back and forth. Come on.
0: Oh, OK. We'll start with you. Uh, here's a fun one. <laughs> I'm looking through this list of I have five questions that I may have to rework as we go through. Question number one: Who? Did we, the University of Michigan, beat in the club tennis national finals in 2017? I will start with you, Chris
1: Helioris. Oh my God, I have absolutely no idea. So I will say USC. Good guess,
2: okay. Nick. So, so it's a good guess because it was a California school. Listen. It was not USC. I'm in between two, not UCLA, was not Berkeley. My gut is going to say, so I'm between UC San Diego and UC Santa Barbara. It was one of those two, I think. Uh, You're in the right state. I know I am. Go north, go north. Oh, stop. I don't know, you said... Okay, what for the it?
0: record, that's close enough. And like the answer is UC Irvine. Uh he got Irvine. the UCs Irvine. correct. Irvine. No. I knew it was Irvine. Okay, but who is the superstar female player? This is the bonus. This, come on. Yeah,
2: Yoshi, I okay, want to Okay,
0: that's, that's a win. That's a win for Nicholas. One yeah, oh okay. Nicholas because he remembers Yoshi. He was at the DC match. BC
2: Ballas was on the call. Uh, yeah, yo- are we
1: playing, video games?
0: No. Come on. So <laughs> the crowd starts chanting, Yo she, Yo She and she goes up 5-2 on our women's singles player who comes back and beats her, and we had the crowd from there. And it was like, all right, well, now we're definitely not losing. Um, shout out to Nick who came to that match. Who was I get got,
2: half a point. I want half a point for no, that. No, no, but you
0: got point. Yoshi. So two halves equal a whole. So one yeah, of on the you
1: a. get a point for that. All right. Okay.
0: Alright, I'll take now it. Now comes a Chris centric podcast. What do I typically do before every show?
2: <laughs>
0: Chris? <laughs>
1: Come on. I mean oh I'm first?
0: You know what I do before every I show.
1: Know, well, I know. What, this oh, is a so, I, so I'm, so, so like, I'm, first, so I'm first. One answer you can't say, but it really comes after the pod. The other <laughs> answer is you take it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, was, I had no idea. So yeah. we're going to get
0: from that one. There is a little home cr- cooking for Chris. Um <laughs> I appreciate that you didn't say the second part. But, yeah, (laughs) he knew part one because he's been there. Nick, sorry, I had to do a little home cooking there. One-all. All right. All right. Last three, home stretch. Ooh. Ooh. Who's going first? Who wants to go first? We'll alternate. Nick, you're going first here. All right. My favorite college tennis player in history. Because I think Chris knows this answer.
2: (laughs) Um. So you used to love those Virginia teams. So I want to say it's someone from one of those old ones. The problem is I'm not – oh, is it Ty Kwiatkowski? That's going to be my guess.
1: Chris? It It's not, but, you know, post like five bourbons in midnight at this point. Uh, <laughs> the, you, it's it's 119 a.m. Right. for the listeners. Yeah, yeah, whatever time it is. <laughs> He's, he's on the right track. It is a Virginia player, and the—oh, the, my gosh. I feel, like, horrible at this point that the name is escaping me.
0: Oh, my God. Chris, this was a layup for you. On my board, I'm like, Chris is probably—if this. If he doesn't get this one, Nick's going to win.
1: Yeah, it's an Indian guy. I, what the, what? I, no,
0: it's not Sonam Singh or Samdev. Both good guesses. Oh,
1: Samdev DeVarman is the name I was actually thinking of, Groskin.
0: No, come on, guys. Freshman year, Alex Damajan.
1: Wow, you no, both I was thinking Devarman for sure.
0: Freshman year, Alex Domagean won. Mitchell Frank too.
2: I was so I was laughing because I was going to say my favorite player was Luke Fumba. But <laughs> I
1: knew that uh, yeah, no, that's not making the list.
2: But what
0: did I say in the TCU pod? Who's Nick's favorite player, Chris? I told you at yeah, the time. Yeah, you
1: did say you did say that.
0: I said it's Luke Fumba. Okay, question number four, Nick. I think from here you take the home stretch.
1: I hope
0: so. Who do I compare my own game to? Uh,
2: Okay, Chris, you're first. I've got some guesses.
1: Oh, I'm first.
2: Yeah,
0: Chris, you can go first.
1: Uh, Your own game. Well, I mean, you don't have the forehand, so it's not Del Potro. Uh, Oh, come on. I think I went over this, by the way, in our living room, Nick, like two days ago. Jeez, oh, uh, like you're you, you seem to be overly fond of that backhand given the recent tweets I've seen. Uh, <laughs> um, um, but gosh, but it's a two hander, so it can't be like a Gasquet or a wavrinka, like your own ah, two handed man. I'm I'm at a loss, Gruskin. I don't know.
0: Okay, I'm, Nicholas, I'm
1: all right, out. so.
2: I think he's your favorite player. I I know he's your favorite player, but I, I, I'm thinking you I remember a few days ago we're talking about someone something with Andy Murray. Yeah. So I'm gonna lock it because I know you think you're a grinder from the baseline who's like a counter puncher with a way better backhand than forehand, which that part is true. So I'm gonna go with Andy Murray. That's what I'm locking in. Second point
0: for Nicholas. He oh. is correct. Let oh. oh. the record show.
2: Shout out to Gil Gross who says,
0: "Oh, I see why you like Andy Murray so much." To which I say, "Why do you say that?" To which he goes, Man. "You, you also walk around." Up-
1: was there. I just couldn't come up with the answer.
0: No, he goes, "You also walk around like you've had a hip replacement." And so, I, yeah. Shout out to Gil Gross who came up with one of my favorite lines I've ever heard. Okay. <laughs> This one was home cooking because I really needed Nick to win this match. What's the one thing I can cook? Nick Ruskin.
2: Oh, oh, <laughs> lock this one in. I got it.
0: Okay, lock it in. What is it? Wait, oh, no, wait, let Chris on. go first. Let Chris go first.
2: I don't get to yeah. guess first.
0: There are you two options.
2: First. I'll accept two
0: answers Masa balls. <laughs> Leave it in.
2: No. Good guess. <laughs>
0: Family recipe.
2: No. Nicholas Gruskin? <laughs> Alex cannot cook much, but in the morning or even late at night, when he needs a go-to meal, he's making <laughs> eggs. <laughs> yeah, what type? Be specific. Always sunny. And who taught – up. Mom taught us both. I can do it. And the thing is, though, he won't just have the eggs. What he'll do is he'll make some turkey bacon. He'll, he'll toast some bread. He'll make a full sandwich out of it. I've seen him eat it from anywhere – from eight a.m. to two a.m., the guy will be having something to do with eggs and probably a sandwich. So lock that in. I know my brother. I'm taking the Wow. Way.
0: The other acceptable answer would have been Mrs. Fields chocolate chip cookies, which mine are okay. significantly better than anyone else's in this family. As long as you give me the pack of cookie mix to work <laughs> with, um, yeah, that's your answer.
1: At least sunny side up. August, and you know the lean, vegan vegan machine can no longer eat eggs, but <laughs> when he did. Sunny side up was the only way I ate
0: it. I like it. All right. Alex trivia. Nick wins three and a half to one and a half. Chris, you had wow. your chance. Um, I was a little disappointed. Yeah. How did neither of you get Chris? Alex Dalmishan was the layup of layups. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. That,
1: when that's you go back and
0: check the film, you're going to be disappointed by that. But with all that said, I ask you, Chris Hallioris, my final question. Great Nicholas Gruskin's performance today. I,
1: I, I'm going to give him a, a, an A. A minus. I mean, there's always room to improve, right? I mean, especially you know, Wharton School. Come on. I mean, you know, there's a little bit more like, that could be had there. But but so I
2: I knew I was off to a rough start when you asked me who the team MVP was going to be, and I said Styler, because I saw Chris's or you said who's playing what because I saw Chris's face <laughs> and the look of disgust <laughs> that was on it when I said Styler. Oh, I, I, it was too bad, but. <laughs> so thank you. I appreciate it. I had a lot of fun. Oh uh, no, he,
1: I loved it. We, we we need to have more Gruskin. You gotta he, you gotta invite him more. He gets the invite
0: back. Also, last question: whose hair have you seen more? Mine or Nick's?
1: <laughs> well, Nick's for sure. I mean, look at that head. I mean, the Gruskin, the the Alex Gruskin hairline is like. <laughs> four inches behind
0: that <laughs> i was gonna say in this 100 minute podcast you've seen more of nick's hair than you've seen of mine in the last three years yeah um, yeah i've, I've turned
1: tune the tennis channel to see yours
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right with all that said we can wrap today's show god i hope listeners don't think this see this and think you did an 100 minutes on Michigan. It's like, no, we also played Alex Trivia at the end. But a shout-out to all of that. A shout-out to super producer Daniel West off the birthday boy. Throw that happy birthday sound effect in here as well. Chris knows none of this would be possible without his tireless effort. Shout-out as well, of course, to our friends at Tennis Point, TennisPoint, point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that said, two schools to go, folks. We will be back next week to break down our top two teams heading into the 2023 college tennis season on both the men's and women's side with that said for the fantastic Nicholas Gruskin, the exceptional Chris Halliores, our super producer and birthday boy, Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I am your host, Alex Gruskin. Our number three preseason team is the University of Michigan. Who are our top two? Tune in next week to find out, but for now, chris can you still do it in sync with someone on the other side of the zoom nicholas gruskin do you even know what the words are gentlemen what do we tell our listeners hey great shot great shot i (laughs)
2: love it and we will see you all next time thank you gentlemen